Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for horror news, true crime, and real-life tales of the unexplained. Monsters at Midnight, The Revenge. Episodes of Monsters upload on a bi-weekly format every other Saturday. I'm your host, your favorite escape madman loose on the airwaves, terrorizing your eardrums, Matt Schaefer. Tobin Bell is back in the latest entry in the Saw franchise. Does it live up to the hype, or is it another trap? Also, we take a look at the stalker-killer time-travel thriller tearing up streaming, Totally Killer. Lock your doors, bolt your windows, and turn out the lights. Monsters at Midnight, the motherfucking revenge rides again. So you'll have to bear with me, as per usual, <clears throat> the way my schedule sort of worked out. I, when I finally saw Saw X, there's no ever easy way to say that, but it's been a couple weeks already. It was at the beginning of the month when I saw Saw X, um, so it's not quite as fresh in my head as I would have liked it, but I still think we can give it a fair shakedown and a fair review here. Just a quick refresher, the premise of Saw X, between the events of Saw and Saw 2, a sick and desperate John Kramer travels to Mexico for a risky and experimental medical procedure in hopes of a miracle cure for his cancer, only to discover the entire operation is a scam to defraud the most vulnerable. Armed with a newfound purpose, the infamous serial killer returns to his work, turning the tables on the con artist in his signature visceral way through devious, deranged, and ingenious traps. Um, this movie's pretty damn good. Uh, like, properly good. I'd say it's objectively the best one s since the first film. Now, your mileage may vary with that, uh, given that some of the appeal of the latter-day Saw sequels was just how ridiculous the traps get and how stupid and complicated the lore gets. But for my money, this is objectively the best film in the series since the original. Now, obviously, what really steals the show is Tobin Bell. Tobin Bell absolutely carries this. And at 82 years old, he is still just as menacing as he always was. And also very sympathetic in this, too. It's, a, it's an interesting decision uh, going for... Uh, a complete jigsaw character piece. Some of the sequels tried that, uh, or not necessarily to this degree, but played up the more sympathetic uh, backstory angle for Jigsaw. And it never really worked, but in this one it kind of works. Which is strange. Again, it's not something that everyone's going to buy. But I thought... It worked in this just because Tobin Bell did such a good job with the material. There is a moment where you kind of believe that he might, he might, after the quote-unquote surgery happens, there's a moment where you might believe, you believe that he might 
move on and stop this nonsense because he has been given new life, essentially. Of course, that isn't the case. <laughs> um, I almost wish I knew nothing about this movie going in because this movie, this movie really has some twists and turns in the first third of the film that are kind of that kind of fall flat because the I knew the plot of the movie and saw the trailers um going into it um I don't know how you would have advertised this movie uh, otherwise um would have been I don't know I think Advertising this movie, they could have kept it a little bit more secretive, because the suspense in the early parts of the film don't work quite as well, because I knew what this movie was going to be about going into it. Um, oh, I should also mention Shawnee Smith is back as Amanda, as Amanda and she does great work, too. Uh, <laughs> Jigsaw and Amanda have great chemistry together, for lack of a better word. Um, and they treat Amanda's character with a lot more respect than some of the earlier entries in the franchise. Um, and they kind of actually have a little bit of a discussion about, uh, Amanda's addiction and how Jigsaw essentially, uh, tormented her because she was an addict it doesn't really go very far um but it is at least an interesting discussion to have and one i didn't think i was going to get in a, a late stage saw sequel uh the supporting cast is kind of a mixed bag of over the top and underperforming but it's serviceable enough and uh the characters are all memorable uh given that this plot works really well. For the most part, it's played pretty razor straight, except for the finale, which I don't want to spoil, but go figure, the Saw sequel has a crazy finale. Um, for, yeah, so it, they get the job done, and definitely the characters have a little bit more memorability to them, just given that they are more centralized to the actual plot. This actually does feel like a direct sequel to the first Saw in that regard. It is much more of a character-focused narrative. Um, there, I mean, this movie isn't perfect. Like, it still falls into a lot of the same issues that some of the latter-day Saw sequels have. Um... There's this constant over-reliance on flashback to stuff that happened earlier in the movie. Just continuing this trend of treating the audience that sees a Saw movie like they're fucking stupid, which is probably fair. <laughs> um, there's also uh, a lot of bad exposition dumps. Um, it made the movie feel padded. I don't think this movie needed to be two hours long. Uh, there's a f handful of two familiar instances where characters' plans will work out way too perfectly. Um, 
like they have every angle covered and it stretches <laughs> believability in this movie that takes itself rather seriously or at least seriously by comparison um trying to think what else but those are the biggest grievances i had with the movie but the real reason you're probably wondering whether saw x is worth checking out or not and that's the traps uh they really nailed it with this one uh there's a general intensity and suspense regarding the outcome of some of these uh, for the first time in a long time, because uh, some of the situations in these games seem actually winnable, um, the sound design and effects are appropriately stomach-churning. Um, and also, just given the fact that some of these are, like, are ones that you could imagine winning, um... It made it feel all the more visceral and all the more intense. Now, that being said, some of the time limits put on these are pretty fucking strict. <laughs> like, you have barely just enough time, if that, to get some of this shit done. But, oh well. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about the finale, because I want to save spoilers since this movie is still in theaters but i thought the twist in this uh movie was pretty solid uh a good role reversal and a good flipping of the script but i don't see it sticking the landing for everyone just because of what i said earlier you uh are meant to sympathize with a ruthless psychopath like john kramer but it was at least a bold and interesting new idea. And it did lead into some really classic uh, Saw ridiculousness. Um, it was a cool, uh, a cool way to end this series. I'm sure it's not the end. I'm sure, I'm sure it's probably not even the end of Tobin Bell, Tobin Bell being in this movie this series ugh, sorry i'm just falling apart today um but if it were this would be uh, a damn fine way to finish it off i would say that saw x is a return to form but most of the saw movies are pretty bad so not really a form to return to uh but this is a damn good sequel to the original um, I would say it's ultimately worth the watch. The minor problems I have with it are generally uh, forgiven uh, due to the fact that people actually seem to put thought and care and time into this, and it has great leaning performances from Shawnee Smith and Amanda. <coughs> and Amanda and Tobin Bell. Um, I gave this movie a 3.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. I would love to hear what you guys think, though, so you can hit me up in the appropriate channels if uh, you have thoughts on Saw X. The review of this next movie is going to be a little bit more fresh in my head because I just watched this movie last night, but I watched uh, the new slasher movie on Amazon Prime, Totally Killer. 
I covered this a little bit in my trailer roundup episode a few episodes ago. But a quick uh, recap on the synopsis here. 35 years after the shocking murders of three teens, an infamous killer returns on Halloween night to claim a fourth victim. When 17-year-old Jamie f comes face-to-face -face with the masked maniac, she accidentally time travels back to 1987. Forced to navigate the unfamiliar culture, Jamie teams up with her teenage mother to take down the psycho once and for all. Now, I remember saying that uh, after watching the trailer that this movie had promise, but could ultimately uh, fall into like mediocr mediocrity or obnoxious like uh, pitfalls. Uh, I wasn't entirely incorrect, but I, I did still like this movie. This movie is fine. This movie is perfectly serviceable. Uh, the best thing about it is Kiernan Shipka, who plays Jamie. Um, she appears she was in The Black Coat's Daughter and uh, uh, fucking The Will Ferrell Land of the Lost and Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Glore. And, oh, she's going to be in the Twister sequel. That's pretty tight. Um, but she was a lot of fun in this. Uh, she really carries the movie. Uh, she's smart. She's funny. She's tough. She's one of also like only a couple like well-rounded and well-written characters in this movie. Because goddamn, most of the characters in this movie are absolutely insufferable. We have got to move past this idea that. Writing assholes is per and just surface level assholes is fine if it's a comedy or if it's supposed to be tongue in cheek because it it is not fun to sit through your movie when none of the characters are likable. Jamie goes back in time and meets her parents and her parents' friends, a la uh, Back to the Future. It's sort of the whole thesis of this movie is like Back to the Future, but slasher. Uh, just like, you know, movies like Freaky and Happy Death Day, where it's a twist on a familiar pop culture comedy, but make it horror, essentially. Um, and this movie doesn't really do a whole lot with that premise, given that none of the characters are likable and it's pretty much a one-track joke that they run it out of steam with pretty quick um it's it because it, it's really just like a lot of the same shtick that you see in back to the future where she is trying to convince people that she's from the future and she eventually finds someone that does believe her because it's someone that she knows in the future. Um, sort of the Doc Brown equivalent is uh, the mother of her best friend in the future. She was fun, too. I liked her a lot. Um, <clears throat> but she also didn't really have a whole lot to do. She was just one of the only characters that wasn't a dick. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um... But, yeah, you're really not getting a whole lot more than what you see in the trailer. Um, which was kind of to be expected, I guess. Um, 
the one thing I really did like about this movie is there's they toy around with the concept of the future changing in real time. They make this analogy of time being like a river and Jamie hopped out of the river and got upstream and is now causing effects further down the river. So we flash forward to the future, or the present rather, and we watch certain things and outcomes change in real time as she's back in the past. I thought that was a cool twist and not something that I've ever seen in a time travel movie before. Um, thought it was, <clears throat> thought it was a neat addition to uh, this formula. Movie moves at a good clip. It's an hour and forty minutes, but it didn't feel like it overstayed its welcome. And there were some genuinely funny moments. It also has a pretty decent climax. It was worth the watch, but I don't think this one is one you need to rush to see. It makes sense that this went straight to streaming. Uh, like I said, you're pretty much getting what was advertised in the trailer and not a whole lot else more. It's a one-track joke that gets stale pretty quickly and it has some truly rotten and sufferable characters to deal with. Uh, but it was pretty brainless Halloween fun. Um, not a huge recommendation, but if, if you got an hour 40 to kill and you're looking for something to watch, you could do a lot worse. <laughs> what a glowing review. Uh, I think at the end of the movie, or excuse me, at the end of the day, I, this movie's just pretty forgettable. Uh, I could see this falling by the wayside in my memory in the years to come. Uh, it's just, it's a cool killer design. I still like that sort of Max Headroom mask looking uh, thing that the killer's got going on. Oh, that was the other thing too. This movie just looked like ugly and cheap. Uh, I, this isn't. This is like a major nitpick, but when Jamie gets out of the time machine for the first time in the in the in 1987, I don't know what the fuck is happening with the cinematography, but they like shot it through this really ugly like fisheye lens. Everything at the edge of the screen screen started to like warp and bend. It just looked. Terrible. I don't know if it was intentional, but it did not look good. Uh, but beyond that, the whole movie just has this air of cheapness to it. Like, it's hard to do a period piece on a budget, and sure enough, this pretty much just looked like a bunch of adults playing dress-up. Uh, there isn't really a whole deeper commitment to the 80s aesthetic beyond, like, some side pony and some some pastel colored like jackets and jumpsuits and stuff like that it just looks cheap uh there were some good uh era appropriate needle drops though uh um let the music play uh is using a pretty uh good set piece in this movie so that was fun um but also the score is like non-existent. There's like one really dinky piano theme that comes back a couple times. So I wonder if the music budget went to getting the handful of like actual licensed songs. Uh, this is like one of the cheapest, ugliest looking movies I've seen bearing an MGM logo in front of it. 
which I had no idea was now an Amazon company. Ugh, crazy. Fucking what a world we live in. Um, but yeah, ultimately this movie was fine, if not, if not bland and forgettable. Uh, I gave it three out of five on Letterboxd. That's probably a little bit generous, but I was feeling generous because it was, it was not a terrible movie and it was a fun way to spend some time. Um, but I think that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the Monsters at Midnight YouTube channel. Have thoughts on today's episode or suggestions for future ones? Shoot us an email at monsters.midnight, midnight spelled incorrectly, at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Letterbox at letterbox.com slash I try to write about everything I watch, so if you want thoughts on non-horror movies, you can head over there. Until next time, my tender lumblings. We've got a couple extra shows coming up here for you because it's October, and I'm not done yet, so stay tuned.